The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Purdy, back to pass, somebody needs to sack him. He loops it over the middle, intercepted! Yes! The Vikings beat the Niners! And Cam Bynum has a two-interception night, and now a fight it unfurls on the field. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. Well, we all saw it coming. Everybody saw it coming. I still don't believe that it happened. I think that I had some bad beef stew, and it was all sort of a strange reality that unfolded last night. So It wasn't pasta and meatballs, somehow. It wasn't pasta and meatballs, and if it was, the... The meatballs were rancid. Something was messing with my brain. My son and I watched the entirety of the game from kickoff till ending, and I never believed it was actually going to happen until Cam Bynum intercepted Brock Purdy for the second time in the fourth quarter. And even after that, I sat there and thought, something's going to happen. I don't know what. Joe Pisarczyk is going to make an appearance and try to (laughs) hand it off to Larry Zonka. Something's going to happen. because, And we're going to talk plenty about the game over the course of the next two hours because we would anyway, (laughs) but it was a significant Monday night game and I have been racking my brain and I'm going to do the research after the show. I can't recall a more significant and impactful regular season win for the Vikings in recent years. And it's probably the best game Kirk Cousins has played for the Vikings. The most significant regular season performance by Kirk Cousins because of the circumstances, you know, last year, Chris, when they were pulling one rabbit after another out of their hat and or butt, you know what my position was. Sure. It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, this win by the skin of your teeth crap is going to run smack dab into the Eagles of the 49ers, and it's going to go out in a blaze of glory like it did for the Giants 
after the Giants managed to steal the wild card win from the Vikings and save the Vikings from the fate that was awaiting them the next weekend, the same fate that the Giants wandered into in Philadelphia. So I I never saw a signature win last year. I never saw a win against an elite team. And I can't remember the last time in the regular season they beat a team that I would objectively call elite. Last night, with the 49ers coming off of a humbling experience in Cleveland that I thought was going to rev up the engine even more. Yeah, sure. I just did not expect the Vikings without Justin Jefferson. Their offense was not good against the Bears. You know, they kind of stumbled into a lucky win in Chicago once Justin Fields is out. The offense did not do much in Chicago against the Bears' defense. And this is the 49ers. It's Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, all the great players they have on that defense. And Kirk Cousins last night, I I hey. don't know <laughs> what it was. I don't know what he did. Yeah. But he played like I have not seen him play in a long time. And you got to give him credit for it. Whatever happens going forward, what he did last night was special. And we'll see if it's a building block. I mean, come on. We know it's special. Who had you coming in on a Tuesday morning wearing a Kirk Cousins jersey? Nobody. I mean, that was the shocker of shockers. Took me a while to find it. (laughs) Took me a while to find it. Well, good. You need to find it because he's your quarterback, okay? You're not trading him. Nothing's happening. That's not going to happen. I mean, I never never said they were. I know you didn't. It's the whole world, though, is trying to put them on this team, on that team. And I'm like, well, I don't know. The Vikings are, you know, three and four now, so that's definitely not happening. I don't think it was happening regardless. And, Mike, to your point, there's a lot of things about your team that I, I know the record doesn't say this, that it's better this year than it was last year. That's what's crazy. You know, you've had more self inflicted wounds this year than last year. But I think we both come back here on certain Mondays or Tuesdays and gone, you know, hey, we know the offense is good. Fumbling has been the problem, right? And the defense, as we saw last night, is a totally different animal than last year. So uh, they can't give up right now. You you know, you got something going here. And, and, uh, yeah, that was unbelievable last night. And, yeah, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, how can you not say, I mean, just, I, I can't say enough about them. I really can't. That was a phenomenal performance. I mean, first off, I'd never, uh, Kevin O'Connell needs to start being put in the name of the top tier play callers, offensive game designers, and all of football. That's got to happen. You know, it, it's, it's the, for the most part, since he's taken over there, they throw the ball on everybody every week. Uh, and the game plan they had overall was phenomenal. And obviously, Kirk Cousins and O'Connell had a great feel for the 49ers scheme and what they do on that side of the ball and really expose some of their rules throughout the game, Mike. And they're doing it without much of a running game. Now, the Vikings did have 74 yards on the ground More last night. More than I thought last night. Quietly. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But, but what O'Connell is doing, and this is a season and seven games into his relationship with Kirk Cousins, he's gotten Cousins to the point where, at least as of last night, he was decisive. You know, if you're not a guy that's going to run around and buy time like Patrick Mahomes does, you've got you've to process more quickly. You've got to get rid of the ball more quickly. You know the walls are closing in. You've got to speed up the clock. And that can be a bad thing. I remember in the latter days of Eli Manning's career, the point that you made, 
about Eli Manning getting rid of the ball too fast and making mistakes with it because the clock in his head had accelerated because right. he was anticipating getting hit from behind and having the ball come out. What we saw from Cousins last night was an acceleration of the clock that got him through his reads and the ball out before the walls closed in. We didn't see him take a sack. We didn't see him take a big hit. There was just that one play where I thought he had been sacked, then he popped up somehow and threw the ball to Jordan Addison after he came amazing. back from his battle with cramps. And it all happened after, on the second pass of the night, Jordan Addison and Traverius Ward are together, and Ward ends up taking the ball. And I said to my son, well, because he was excited because the first run was a nice game by Alexander Madison, so he's all into it. And after that interception, it's like, here we go, get ready. Oh, here you go. I got. Well, how many jumps did you make? Oh, prime time Kirk, prime time Kirk. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you weren't looking for the jersey right then. (laughs) It wasn't his fault. You know, it's funny because the Ward Addison combo, where the first time Ward picked it off, and the second time Addison ended up with the ball and scored the touchdown on the 60 yard catch and run before the half like it was a better throw by Kirk on the one that was picked off the one that Addison took from Ward was not the better throw it just shows you how just weird stuff happens you got to be in the vicinity and you just hope and you see how it goes but once the Vikings ended up driving down and getting the touchdown after the McCaffrey look at that that should have been picked off like what the hell was that wait wait, so and and that's yes go ahead go ahead what was that I know. I, yeah. So after that happened, I, I, I that was the first moment I thought, holy crap, they can win this game. Until they missed the extra point, and then it's like, oh, they're going to lose by one point because of the missed extra point. But that's just one of those moments that that is a foundational piece of pulling off a win like that. You need to have a better-to-be-lucky-than-good moment like that, although it was very skillful by Addison to take the ball away and run in for, for the touchdown, that's the one that should have been picked. The other one should have been caught. That one should have been picked. Well, all right. Let's just start there since we're there. I mean, what the – you want to talk about the 49ers, who, of course, you know I think are as well coached as any team in football, offensively and defensively. I mean, hey, we know – the 49ers, they played good football last night. Last night they made mistakes. We know that. You drive down the field on the first drive of the game. You got a chance to put pressure on them. Christian McCaffrey fumbles. You drive down the second drive of the game, and you miss a what, – and what, for now standards in the NFL, a chip shot field goal that, what, 40-something yards? 40, I think, maybe exactly, right? You know, now the third drive, they go down and score, whatever else. But well, that moment right there – that was the first time the whole game, the 49ers, you know, it felt like, oh, wait, they're about to control this game and it's going to start swaying their way. Even though they had a few early game mess ups, you know, now they've settled in and they're going to start to wear down the Vikings. The Vikings have no timeouts. That that play call by Steve Wilkes and the defensive coaching staff there. That's inexplicable. I I don't understand what they were doing there. That was a monumental mistake, like monumental. There's no timeouts. It's third down, and you bring an all-out blitz. In fact, the only thing where you go, they could actually get points. We're going to play that defense, okay? We're going to roll the dice. For what reason? I don't know. To get another sack on the stat book? I I don't understand that. But to play that defense and give Kirk Cousins and Addison the chance on a one-on-one ball in that moment, 
Yeah, when Ye hit that play, you're right. That was when I went, oh, man, 49ers were about to go into halftime with all the momentum, and now it's totally changed around, and it's going to be an uphill battle in the second half. I don't care how well they play, you know, down nine points. So, yeah, could have been an interception. I understand that. But the defensive play call is where it starts, and that's what you get for blitzing seven people on third and six with no timeouts and the clock going down to what did they snap it? Was 16 seconds left? Absolutely made no sense. That was a bad, bad move by the 49ers and the coaching staff there. And I like these opportunities to delve into the psychology of why people do what they do. We talked yesterday about how the Bills keep retreating to just let Josh Allen go do something to try to save us instead of having a foundation in your offense where you run and you do this and play action, et cetera. I almost feel like there was a combination of frustration and arrogance that came together at the worst possible time. Maybe. They I hadn't gotten you. to Kirk Cousins at all in the first half, right. right? You got Nick Bosa. You got Randy Gregory who flashed a couple of times, and I thought this guy's going to wreck this game before it's over with. There were a couple of times that he was on Kirk, and it's like, where the hell did this guy come from? Oh, God, it's Randy Gregory, and now they got another piece on top of all these other guys, and this guy breaks free. But you you haven't gotten to him, and you're thinking, we're just gonna put we're gonna put the pedal to the metal here. Let's go get him. They're gonna they're 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 just not gonna take a knee and go in. They're they're gonna actually try to get more. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Maybe the ball pops up in the air, we get a quick field goal, it's 10-10 at halftime. We've seen that movie before. A lot of the movies we've seen before with Kirk Cousins weren't playing last night. They've moved on to another town. The idea that the walls close, somebody hits him, balls in the air, turnover. You know, you, the, the, the thing to get used to. You see it so often, you just get used to it. And, and Chris, even though it was an ill-advised play call, it should have worked. It should have resulted in interception because Ward was in position to catch the ball. That's what makes it all so weird. It was high risk, low reward. And the risk almost paid off. Yeah, because no, Ward yeah. was there to catch well, the ball. But it, it should have worked. Really is amazing. It should have worked. But there's a reason Chavarius Ward's a DB, and he's not that good at playing the ball. And it should have worked too. Where I could also go, yeah, but you know, if, if we could show the the highlight itself one more time. I mean, it's one on one. Kirk Cousins, if he throws a better ball, he's got him beat too. So there's no justification for this call at all. There's there's not. And you're right. Whether it's frustration or the defensive staff, I don't know what they were thinking they were going to do there. There's really nothing I can logically point to, other than wait, I'm gonna we're gonna be a meathead meatheads and just hit the quarterback one more time, and we're frustrated by that. You know, as a quarterback, if I look, I mean, he's gone. If that ball gets thrown out by the hash number, he, or hash ha, the right hash, excuse me, that he's got Javarius Ward beat by you know two two good strides there. If I was a quarterback, if Peyton Manning was a quarterback, right? Well, we shouldn't put me and him in the same sentence. Excuse me. If Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers saw that defense right there. Before they would go, they would be going. Oh my gosh! I can't believe they're about to all-out blitz me with no like. You're gonna give me a chance to make a big play and just throw a ball up. We know the current environment in the NFL. One, the receivers are good at catching jump balls. Two, DBs are DBs for a reason. Three, the referees can 
throw flags for pass interference for blowing in the guy's ear. You know, I mean, geez, that's, that's where we've gotten to. Why risk it? So, you know, not on a night where the offense and special teams messed up there, that was the defense's turn right there. And you're right, Mike, like you said a few minutes ago, that was the moment where you went, oh, wow, wow, this is going to – we're going into – the second half is going to be a game. Like, they're, they're not pulling away. Now they're going to have to scratch and claw to come back and try to win this football game. And when you look at the second half, the Vikings only added six points. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was 22-16 at the break. Or 16-7 at the break, 22-17 is the final score. They went from 16-22 to 22 in the second half. I and, and explain this one because you call it an all-out blitz. Right. But when we show the graphic, obviously you're going to cover the three guys that go into the pattern. It looks like Fred Warner yeah, sure. dropped I'll back in coverage as well. So it's a seven-man. When does it become all-out blitz? And what's the most guys – as a practical matter that you can send. Well, it's usually it's usually 7 is the max, right? Fred Warner is there probably to cover Hawkinson in case the the left tight end there went out, right? He decided to block. So now Fred Warner's just free in that to go, I'll let me play in case they throw a quick slant, right? And now I'll rally to the football, right? So that's where he's there. But still, within technical terms of the NFL, that would be considered an all-out blitz. When you get the seven people blitzing, right, that, that's when it becomes all-out. And, and sometimes in these type of blitzes where Fred Warner might have been responsible for the tight end, sometimes teams go, wait, if you see him block, then you can blitz too because he's not and going go. out and you can yeah. go, right? But this is one where they probably played it to, hey, he blocks. Let's not let him throw a shallow cross, a slant route, and you can make the tackle instead of our safety being one-on-one. But still... There was a one-on-one downfield. Kirk Cousins recognized that. And, yeah, the, the psychology of why that was called at that moment is shocking. It, it, Shanahan, I know they said, you know, in the halftime report or whatever, was seemed like he was surprised by the call itself, too. I can't remember exactly how Lisa Salters kind of paraphrased the, the comment either way. But I'm sure even him as a, an offensive play caller – he would be going, wait, wait, we, we don't want to do that in that moment. So that was, that was a monumental flub by the defensive staff there and, uh, yeah, gave the Vikings some real positive momentum. And, and like you said, Mike, I don't know if it was frustration, meatheadedness, right? Yeah, we didn't get sacks. We haven't hit the quarterback. We didn't talk about Nick Bosa and many of those defense alignment throughout the night because your Vikings O-line, they can pass protect with those damn tackles you got and, you know, and that O-line. They can. So I don't know, but that that was a huge moment in the football game. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. 
The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. One observation and one question. The observation is this. As we break it down, it reminds me of when we completely dissected the Minneapolis Miracle play and how all these guys are wasted covering the middle of the field. Fred Warner was wasted there. He should have blitzed. If Hawkinson doesn't come out, go get – maybe that one extra guy is what makes the difference, that one guy that slips through the crack and gets to Kirk Cousins because – Roaming around the middle of the field with no timeouts, what what good are you going to do there? What can you do to help anything in that moment? So maybe he should have gone in that in that spot. And the question is this: When you've got a head coach who is the offensive play caller, yeah, and is constantly focused on the offense, I have visions of Sean McVay sitting on the Gatorade tub and just basically handing the keys to Wade Phillips back in the early years of McVay's time with the Rams, not even paying attention to the game itself when the defense was on the field. When, where, and how does the head coach say to the defensive play caller, ho, 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 wait, yeah. wait, hold on, right. ho, ho, hold on, your gut's my blood, buddy. No, 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 we're not doing this. Is Shanahan in position to hear what's happening and veto it? and say, hey, call a different defense. I don't think we should do that here. He, he controls everything. He's the head coach, he, and he has full total control of that football team in, in every capacity, roster moves, whatever it is. He's the GM, the head coach, and even to the defensive point, Mike, the defense, they run the 49ers defense. It's not Steve Wilkes' defense. It wasn't D'Amico Ryan's defense because Shanahan's played a big part in how they play on that side of the ball. So when Steve Wilkes gets the job, yeah, he might have a few wrinkles he adds in, but he learns what they want to do on defense, right? So Shanahan's definitely got you know his his hand in that mix there. But now, like you said, the point or the the big question, and and it's it's tough when you're the offensive play caller. You do trust your D coordinator. You know you probably have talked about scenarios like this many a times already, and somehow somewhere, yeah, that didn't you know, match up, whether Shanahan was talking to offensive coaches at that moment or doing something else. I know I saw one replay we even showed. You could see Kyle in the background. He's got the tablet in his hand, so he's probably looking at some things that they did on defense, trying to maybe get prepared at halftime to give his offense some coaching points or whatever else. So, but, yeah, that's one where, you know, I'm sure he'd like to go back in time and go, hey, 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 wait, wait, don't, we can't call that right there. We can, they throw the ball up here and we miss the tackle, they score a touchdown. And I'm sure he would like to have that over. And by the sounds of that, that phrase or the paraphrasing of Lisa Salters, it sounded like he was a little surprised by that call altogether. Uh, but, hey, ultimately, yeah, he is the head coach and he's the one that's got to step up or say something in that moment if he doesn't like it. I had a flashback to Peyton Manning derisively saying that halftime adjustments are meaningless. There's nothing that can be done, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you got Shanahan getting a head start on 
making adjustments and figuring out what they're doing. It's not really halftime adjustments. It's just the constant act of figuring out what exactly. they're doing. That's right. What are That's they right. doing that we can do differently? And the 12, 15 minutes at halftime is just part of that opportunity to figure out what the hell they're doing. Exactly. So there aren't halftime yeah. adjustments. There's constant adjustments. You right. take any moment you can and maybe sometimes a moment you shouldn't because if you check out on what your defense is doing, if you have too much trust in the person to whom you've given the keys to the car, there's a chance it's going to run into a telephone pole like it did last night with the seven-man blitz and the opportunity yeah. for Kirk Cousins to find Jordan Addison, even though Traverius Ward was in position to pick it off. But that was the moment. And by the way, this comes courtesy of Next Gen Stats. The 49ers sent the first seven-man rush in the final 30 seconds of the half in opposing territory since week 11 of 2020. That hasn't that happened by anyone, anyone since then. They're, they're not a team that does that generally. That, that's the other thing that's shocking. You know, you kind of hit on it already. They got a great front four. They don't usually do that type of stuff. They're not that. And, yeah, that that was a, uh, a definitely a big moment. And like you said, yeah, Shanahan's over there. You know, it's about the messaging he's going to try to give his offense at halftime, too. Hey, guys, it's this kind of game. They're playing us this way, right? We got to figure it out. I got to go to this part of the game plan. These are the things we got to, you know, adjust here as we go. And that's what you're trying to do, right? But, yes, that, that call – I guarantee any defensive coordinator or quarterback that was watching that game last night was sitting there going, are you, are you kidding me? They're going to do that. Forget, you know, Mike, forget the post route and throwing the ball down the field. You play that type of defense. He throws a slant route to Addison on the right side and Charvarius Ward trips or just misses the tackle. And it's like, whoa, he's off to the races. He's just taking the risk is way greater than the reward in that moment. And that's where Steve Wilkes and the defensive staff definitely lost their way. Uh, but, you know, you know, it, it, it was a microcosm of the night. And Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell having the answers for the 49ers defense, unlike I've seen any team have other than the Chiefs last year when the Chiefs put up 45 in San Francisco. You remember that? That was a game I came away and went, they understood the coverages, the rules, and they broke it down like I'd never seen before. And last night was the closest I'd ever seen to that too. I mean, Kirk Cousins at the line of scrimmage, Mike, I, I know you watch the Vikings more than me, right? But... Did he not talk and give more? They do more at the line of scrimmage last night, changing routes and plays and protections than ever before. And I got to think that's because they had a really good handle on what the 49ers do on D, probably a little based on back on Kevin O'Connell's days with the Rams and McVay and company. Uh, but they had the, the robot wired to dis, just dissect this 49ers defense. And it was really, really impressive throughout the night by, by both O'Connell and Kirk Cousins. And the whole pre-snap process right. seemed to be crisper and more efficient. There have been so many times this year where you see Cousins irritated, trying to you know trying to yeah, get yeah hurry it up, hurry up. Play yeah. clock's going down right. to zero, and they had delay of game. They had one they had last a few night last night, but they like were doing a, a lot trigger. Yeah, yeah. But but a lot of a lot of times there are fifteen ten seconds left as Kirk's getting ready to get the ball, so they were making things happen faster than they usually do, and and really that's the key. Cousins was faster, not with his legs, but with his brain, with his decision-making, with 
and and he didn't doubt what he was seeing. I think that's a big part of it. Yep. He knew what he was seeing. He knew who was going to be where. And there, there were six, seven, eight times on the night where, you know, the first read isn't there. What a throw And there. instead of yeah. panicking, instead of panicking, right? because, you know, the walls are closing in, it's, we're getting to that point where he's got to either yeah. crumble or throw it away or take crap it back or get off the pot. The I think is the proper phrase. He, <laughs> he'd, he'd move. He'd move to the second guy. Yeah. And he knew the second guy was going to be there. Right. Like to, to your point, it seemed like on every route, every play, when the guys would, would start down the field, he instinctively knew where the second guy was going right? to be. And he yeah. got to him fast. He, he and definitely maybe this did. This is just a product of repetition with Kevin O'Connell where, you know, I think to the quarterback series, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. Maybe Cousins finally has full and complete trust in Kevin O'Connell and is willing to do that kind of blind shift to the second guy and throw the ball because there isn't a whole lot of look to see if he's open. First guy's not there. Oh crap! I got to do something. Throw to the second guy. And and I'm telling you, some of those times it's like he didn't even check to see if the guy was there. Well, that but he knew he was going to be there. He trusted he was going to be there, and he got rid of. Trusted him. he was going to be there, Mike. And you know how you always talk about the 49ers, right? That just aggressiveness and flying to the football, right? And we talk about the no hesitation. I think a lot of those throws, Mike. He knew where he wanted to go, but he knew if he looked the 49ers off a little bit, if I look here, these crazy SOBs, they'll all run here, and then I'll just come back here real quick. Because the 49ers are primarily a zone football team. That's what they want to do. Guys, Courtney and, and Kristen in the back, can we play that last montage of highlights one more time where we had the camera behind Kirk Cousins? Because I would love yeah, Let's slow this one down, guys, if you don't mind, and rewind this for me one time here. Uh, that, that first play spe- specifically. That's the first touch. Yeah, yeah, the first touch. So, Mike, we'll just stop yarder. here and just stop yep. it, guys, if you don't mind. They know. See, this was my first, one of my first, like, moments of the game going they they know the rules of the 49ers defense here they got them in a, a good spot so the 49ers basically here are kind of trying to play like man on the right Mike Charvarius Ward is over there on Osborne right and Hufunga is down for the back in in uh, 31 to kind of cover him man to man but they're playing zone on the other side and on the other side, see, this is what they do. They like to zone you off, and they're going to play, wait, this is five-on-three football right here. So it's go, they go, fine, you got a bunch left over here, three receivers, but we got five guys over here. So between Dre Greenlaw in the middle of the field, you see Fred Warner, and then there's three other DBs. So they're basically going, we got you cut off for every way your three guys go. We're going to have people there. They're great at passing off in zone coverages. So, guys, let it go slowly if we can. As it unfolds, see, they realize they figured out ways to stress out these little five-man zones. There. Right? See it? And now they go, wait, we can get Mario Addison if we do this the right way and, and play people the right way. Right? Or uh, Jordan Addison, excuse me. Right. We can get him one-on-one. Go back to that play one more time, guys. We can get him one-on-one with Dre Greenlaw who we know is a great middle linebacker, but he ain't supposed to be 22 yards downfield covering our best receiver right now, right? So this was a great example to me. And when the kind of the light bulb hit and I went, oh, man, O'Connell and Cousins, 
they they got the rules down here a little bit on the 49ers. They know what to they know what they're getting. They know how to expose these zones and push the guys in areas and spread it out a little bit. And that that and thank you so much, guys. It was a great job. That to me was what the key to the night. The understanding of how the 49ers play things and Kirk Cousins just being absolutely on fire. I mean, on fire. It was it was comical at times. My wife, right? She's sitting there and she kind of likes Kirk Cousins because of the Netflix series. She thinks he's like, hey, yeah, he's a nerd, but he owns it. And, now, you know, he tries so hard and he works so hard. And, oh, and I mean, she was sitting there like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. This is unbelievable. Right? Because, of course, we're rooting for the 49ers and our buddy Kyle Shanahan. But still, you, you had to admire what he did on that night. Here's Kevin O'Connell in the locker room after the game, celebrating the victory and giving a game ball to Mr. Primetime. And a Kirk Cousins. And let me give this last one right here. All right, when you, get, when you play quarterback in this league, every now and again, all right, it's one of those nights. And it just happened to be against one of the best defenses in the league. O-line doing their thing. We got off the run game going. But when we needed this guy over and over again, he would not be denied on Monday Night Football. They're aware of the narrative. He's 3-10 and on Monday Night Football now. With that win, not before that win, with that win, he's 3-10. and And that's always been the thing about Cousins in the bigger moments there's an extra level of awareness, an extra level of anxiety, an extra level of maybe hesitation, don't want to screw up, don't want to make the big mistake and everyone see it. But he threw all that to the wind last night. And we need to get there at some point. Yeah. Look at their remaining schedule. There is not another 49ers lurking around. They got the Lions twice. The last three weeks of the season it goes lions packers lions to end the year but until then you got some really really winnable games here weeks yeah there's a there's a run through their bye week of week 13 where these are winnable now will they win all of them no right but at the packers winnable at the falcons it's a little dicey saints game winnable at the broncos winnable bears at home winnable unless the legend of tyson bajan continues to grow and then at the raiders after the bye week, the last four games of the season, you know, they should be able to beat the Packers if they need it. Week 17, currently set for NBC and Peacock, Sunday night football. But at the Bengals in December, who knows? Lions and Lions sandwiched there week 16 and week 18. But between now and then, they're in a position where they could slip it into overdrive. And, hey, look, short week, got to go to Lambeau Field. Packers are vulnerable. This is one of those, like, you know, and I'm trying to think of the most recent example where you have a big win and you can't blow it the following Sunday. You can't you, – you, you undermine what you did if you blow the next one. This is the one where it's the building block game, and if you truly are going to turn around what felt like a lost season where they're talking about who they're going to trade, you got to go to Lambeau Field and get to 4-4 four and four through eight games. you got to do it. After that, see where it goes. But if you just go up there and lose after pulling off one of the big upsets of the season that puts you back on the map, 
you, you're back off the map if you yeah, go up and right. and lose to a two-win Packers team that currently can't seem to find its way offensively. Yeah, right. Like we talked about that with the Browns yesterday, right? Like with their win for the 49ers, you're kind of like, man, you, you kind of announced yourself on the scene, and then the next week you like kind of denounced yourself on, off the scene. So that that that's it, there is you know like you're saying, you got a chance to strike here and build something, build momentum in your locker room. Right. Start. Kevin O'Connell's going to be able to tell his team, like, look, you know, if we don't make self-inflicted mistakes, we're a pain in the butt. Right. You guys have, are leading football and fumbles. Uh, so there's like we've talked about, there's some things you watch with the Vikings and you go, they're good. There's some things you like about them and go, they'll be a pain in the butt here all year long. And if they can get Justin Jefferson back. Right. They can. We know they're scary on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I know we haven't got to it. I don't know if you want to get to it now, but because the Vikings defense is a different animal this year and because, again, we talked about O'Connell and Kirk Cousins and how great they are, and that was unbelievable. And like I said, I think Kevin O'Connell needs to start being put up in the you know upper tier of best play callers in football, right? There's Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and Ben Johnson, right? You know, and I think then you start to get into Kevin O'Connell and McVeigh and those type of people are the next group for me. But that's how special he is. Well, the defensive side of the ball with Brian Flores and what he did on the defense with the, their game plan, I mean, damn, that was impressive too. It really was. Mixing it up, not letting Shanahan and company dominate the line of scrimmage with the run game, giving a lot of different looks and pass coverage. People up by the line of scrimmage, are they going to blitz? Are they all going to drop out? I mean, they did everything. And the 49ers had a hard time kind of getting in a constant or consistent rhythm throughout the night because of it. Now, I'm not making an excuse for the 49ers. I'm just curious. Yeah. If they have Debo Samuel, if they have Trent Williams last night, is it, is it different, or was this just a night where the Vikings had him figured out, and if they would have had Debo, it wouldn't have mattered, and if they would have had Trent Williams, it wouldn't have mattered, because Daniil Hunter seemed to be a man on a mission last night. Yeah, well, he was, right? Uh, I mean, what he's He is having some year right now, Daniil Hunter. I do think it would be different. I do, yes. You know, Debo Samuel is another huge headache problem. You're worried. Shanahan's offense is so diverse and versatile in so many ways, it's hard enough when you're just going, wait, we got to stop the run game. And then the other things they just do with Kittle and Ayuk last night, let alone McCaffrey also in the past game. Then you worry about Debo Samuel and the reverses and the screen passes they throw to him and how physical he is catching those quick slants over the middle off the quick play action. And he's running like his hair's on fire and he breaks tackles and runs like a running back. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part of their football team. So, yeah, I do think things would have been differently just because the de- the game plan was really good. It's just another playmaker, though, and you know, that that's that's that is a difference maker for their football team and and could have maybe gone above and beyond, you know, the X's and O's like we talk about. So, I don't know how much of a big difference it would have made, Mike, but I think it's significant enough to certainly ponder and ask the question. I think we're fair there. And look, the Vikings didn't have Justin Jefferson either, so you could argue it balances out. And Uh injuries happen. We get to the stage of the season where nobody's 100%. Guys are going to miss games. The question is, what can the next man up do? And you still have to go out and play the game, regardless of who's healthy and who's not. Brock Purdy had a couple of interceptions in the fourth quarter. 
This came from Josh Dubow of the AP. Brock Purdy is the first 49ers quarterback to throw two interceptions in the fourth quarter when the team was down by a score since Colin Kaepernick in the 2013 NFC title game. Wow. The 49ers lost to the Seahawks. You like that? The last time it happened in the regular season for the 49ers was Alex Smith week nine of 2009 against the Titans. So it's been a while in a regular season game for a 49ers quarterback to throw a couple of picks while down by a score. Because they had two opportunities. And and let's let's look at that part of the game because yeah. that's when the Vikings defense really was tested the most. Vikings are driving fourth and four on the 49ers 42. And I thought the decision was field goal or go for it. Field goal or go for it. You hit the field goal, you're up eight points, you miss it, they got the ball at the 50. You go for it, hey, the move, the offense is moving pretty well. Yeah. Four yards, you know, they've been converting third downs all night. I right. thought they should go for it. They bring the punter out, and it's like, what? I, I said, what? When they showed the screen and the punt team was out there. I did not think punt was even an option at that point. And then the ball goes into the end zone, tw- a, a net of 22 yards. Yep. I said to Alex, my son, you know, they're going to be where they would have gotten the ball if the Vikings had failed on fourth down in two plays. And they were. George Kittle catches a pass, and they're at the 40 and two friggin' plays. Like, why didn't you just go for it, keep the clock moving, keep the ball, get some points, and just make that window tighter and tighter? And, Chris, the moment for me where I think something – and I watched Purdy very closely the rest of the night. And if he was messed up, he wasn't showing it in – his facial expressions on the sideline, and they weren't working on him. But when they tried that quarterback sneak, third and short near the 50, just a couple of plays before the interception, the first one to Cam Bynum, on their first opportunity to make it. You look at the overhead shot of this. He got rocked. Watch this. Yeah. He gets rocked. Hicks gave him a little kiss to the head there. He got and, – and that's one of the downsides. Uh-huh. And it's not like anybody did it on purpose. He got rocked. And so the next play, he converts the Tom Brady-style quarterback sneak. There was a gap, inexplicably, that the Vikings left, and he just slipped through it. But he got rocked on that play. And I said to my son, when that happened, watch him the rest of the game. If he's a little bit off, he got rocked. And I don't care who you are. That's your head taking somebody's helmet right into the jaw area of your helmet, he got rocked. He did a great job of shaking it off, but I just wondered after that, and he threw both picks after that, did that just knock him just enough? Chris, you've been there just enough out of sorts that that it's the difference between getting the ball to the open guy and having somebody in a position to pick it off. Because when you see that overhead angle, I thought he got blasted. He, he definitely did. He did. You know, I, I, I don't know. And, you know, again, that's, that's part of football, too, is, yeah, you know, you get hit a lot and you're tired and, you know, and you're starting to get exhausted. And, yeah, you've been hit in the head a few times and you're beat up. And you're, are you thinking clearly in the fourth quarter? Can you still execute the way, you know, you were in the first quarter when you were fresh and, and not tired and exhausted and beat up? I mean, that, that is part of the game. There's no doubt, you know, it's a little bit like last week, the opposite of last week where he last week he played horrible and he was clutch late in the football game. This week he played really good and saved his worst throws of the game and the biggest moments of the game. And that's where it was unfortunate. 
They weren't able to run the ball. They were going to have to win the game with Brock Purdy throwing the ball. Definitely. They're missing one of their big weapons in Debo Samuel, like you just like talked about already. Right. And you know, his first interception to Bynum, right. He made so many good throws all night, but like, I thought Troy kind of Troy Aikman kind of explained it the right way. When you're always an anticipation thrower, Oh, I'm going to throw to this spot. I'm going to throw to this spot. If it doesn't go perfect and you don't throw perfect, it can become dicey. And that was just way too much anticipation, let alone throwing a ball that kind of died out towards the, you know, as it got towards the target there in Jennings. Um, but yeah, unfortunate, you know, and that's where, you know, Mike, and again, I'm not, Brock Purdy's really, really good. We know that. I mean, is he as good as everybody's trying to make him to be? I'm not ready to say that yet, but I know he's damn good and they're damn dangerous with him at quarterback. But, you know, him carrying the team with his right arm and drop back pass moments like that, okay, where it's not like, hey, it's the second and third quarter and it's a big game and, oh, the run here and the reverse here and the screen here and it's all working good and I look good and, ooh, everybody's open. When we're talking about they know you're going to throw the ball and you got to throw the ball into tight windows and big moments of the football game, I still think that's something we haven't seen Brock Purdy do a whole lot yet. They haven't had to since he's taken over. And that's where his arm strength does hurt him because he has to anticipate all the time. And moments like that, sometimes that type of route, you kind of want to see the guy get out of the break. And then you go, oh, let me, Mahomes, right? He's got great in touch and anticipation, but he's also got a great feel of, wait, this is one I see, I'm going to watch him break. And then when I see him break, zoom, there goes the laser, right? And that's a club that Brock Purdy doesn't have in his bag uh, at, at all times, like some of the, the big time QBs in the NFL. So that interception seemed to save the Vikings. They drive down. Greg Joseph misses a 50-yard field goal. And Brock Purdy and the 49ers get another opportunity. And that's when it's like, here, here, here. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was saying, like, oh, they won't mess it up and again. <laughs> it, was, it was taking them a little while to get down the field. Tick, 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 tick. But they were in position where they were going to have a few shots at the end zone the way it was going. And then came another throw that Cam Bynum was able to pick off. He had to dive for the first one. He jumped for the second one. And when Purdy let go of the ball, and this is why I love watching a game on TV. You don't know where the ball is going to go when the quarterback. You don't know who's there. It's that half second of, ooh, let's find out what's in this box. Right. And he throws it, you know, a little across the body. And he's got that confidence that just oozes from the way that the ball comes out. But there's Cam Bynum. Jumps up, makes the pick. Great play by him. And, uh, yeah, you know, last week, Purdy drove them in position to win the game. Yeah. For everything that went wrong in Cleveland, it came down to Jake Moody missing a 41-yard field goal that he should have made. This time around, Purdy had two opportunities to take the ball all the way to pay dirt for what would have been a game-winning touchdown and 0 for 2. And that's why, you know, and what makes this so stunning, what we've seen from the 49ers the last two games, they kicked this shit out of the Cowboys 15 days ago. We were ready to crown them. You want to crown them? Then crown their ass. <laughs> And, and and what happened? Like, I, I thought that I had finally understood where the 49ers were. We're going to leave no doubt. We're going to beat the hell out of everybody because we don't want any more of these close games. We don't want any more of these fluke outcomes. We don't want somebody coming back down 10 with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl. We're going to kick your ass and kick your ass and kick your ass some more. And we're not going to let up. And we're going to try to win by 50 points if we can. 
and we've seen two very close games that, for different reasons, they weren't able to win. Missed field goal kept them from getting to 6-0. and But last night, Purdy, two opportunities, unable to get the ball into the end zone. Credit to the Vikings' defense. But, you know, Chris, I, I go back to this, this, and everybody would love to do it. Let's beat everybody by 30 points so we're never sweating out a close game. But, you know, I was thinking, hey, this may be a good opportunity for the 49ers to win a game in a spot like this. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you may be in a spot like that against the Eagles in the playoffs. Sure. Or the Lions sure. in the playoffs. Or the Cowboys in the playoffs, and you can draw on your experience. Not a, not a good outcome. Not the kind of experience you want to be drawing upon if you're in that spot again in the postseason against one of the NFC's great teams. No, no, you're, you're right about that. And, and, you know, I think to the broader point of what you're asking with the 49ers, yeah, they came off a big win in the Cowboys. You know, they played a defense that we know is damn good in Cleveland and gave them problems. They didn't play their best game. Cleveland made a few miraculous plays on the offensive side of the ball. There was a few penalties, right, that kind of went against the 49ers in that game. And they missed a, what we would say, again, a chip shot field goal for modern standards in the NFL as far as kicking field goals. They could have won that game. Last night, I think they came out with that ass-kicking mentality like you're talking about. You know, Again, that's where you go back. It, the, it's the NFL. It ain't college football. It ain't like it's Georgia and you know they're just, oh, we're going to come out and we're going to steamroll this team 49 to nothing because we're the Georgia Bulldogs and we just got that much better players. So the NFL, it's, you know, how, I mean, we talk about this a lot. The Vikings got a lot of studs in their team that they think, hey, we're awesome. I'm awesome. We're awesome. You rally together, give them a game plan, give them confidence. It doesn't matter. Pro NFL players go out and I don't care how good that team is. I'm the man. They pay me a lot of money. We're going to, you know, come together tonight and whoop some ass together. And the, Cow the, the, the 49ers came out with that type of mentality. But when you drive down the field like a machine the first three drives of the football game and you only come away with seven points, that was their chance to, like, do what you're talking about to the Vikings, where the Vikings look up and go, oh, man, it's 17-0 it's or it's 17-7 already. We're in, you know, we're in trouble here. And now the 49ers, we know a momentum, crazy, you know, mofo type of football team. And that didn't play in their favor there because of those mistakes. And, and then, of course, your Vikings took advantage of that kind of momentum swing or lack of making plays by the 49ers. You and I both picked the 49ers to win big. I had 35-21. And as I was watching the game, and I didn't share this with my son because, you know, I ultimately want to be right. And it, I was conflicted at times. <laughs> right. It was great to see the Vikings win their biggest regular season game as far back as I can remember. And now that I'm a little older, I can't remember back all that far. But that was a huge win for them. But I kept saying, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. At some point, it's going to happen. The 49ers are going to score, force a turnover, score again. 14 points just like that. And 35-21 still a possibility here because that just that – finding that groove and breaking right. the Vikings back. It felt like it was always just around the corner. Right. But it it never we never got around that corner and uh, the Vikings did a great job of holding it off even when it felt like the Vikings were giving them opportunities late when it wouldn't have been a blowout but it just would have been okay the 49ers win all is right in the world we haven't lost our minds. The end result was we all feel like we've lost our minds. I still don't believe what I saw. <laughs> it's I crazy. I'll probably watch it again today <laughs> and tonight and tomorrow just to be 100% sure. He elected a Kirk Cousins. Something, something for today, 
For today, yes. Well, and look, I only react to what I see. And and I I get a kick out of the Vikings fans on Twitter who try to tell me how to be a Vikings fan. It's like, <laughs> listen, punk. I've been dealing with this for 50 years. I've got scars on my soul that will never be removed. Nothing they do moving forward can eradicate 1975, December 28. That's there for good. Super Bowl 11, that's there for good. 1987, NFC Championship game, that's not going anywhere. 98, I'm living that the rest of my life. They're like tattoos that you can't get removed if you want to. 2009, Don't forget about 2000 when the, the Giants when the Giants won. Don't forget about that one, the 41-0. Well, Come on, that, you said all the good listen, ones except the best one. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the easiest one to process because it was over by the end of the first quarter and i was able to go uh, turn off the tv and go to sleep i knew that one was done uh it's the ones that are just tantalizing that it's there and and so you know i've had my heart ripped out and stomped on as a vikings fan for 50 years and you know being in this business for almost half of that time which is just amazing to me when i think about it like half of my existence as a Vikings fan has been in this business where I have worked very hard to remain neutral. I have worked very hard to cover everyone objectively and fairly. And if anything, I'm harder on the Vikings no, than that, I would be if without I a doubt. didn't have that background. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I give Kirk Cousins a hard time because I've been waiting for a game like that since the moment they signed him. R- remember, remember, we got to take a break after this, but remember the context of how they signed Kirk Cousins. With Case Keenum playing quarterback, they almost got to the Super Bowl. With Case Keenum, they had the uh, Minneapolis miracle moment, and then they go to Philadelphia, and they lose 38-7, to and they decide we're going all in on Kirk Cousins. And that's going to take where we are next level. That was the organizational attitude. And here comes Kirk, and it's, you know, good at 1 o'clock Eastern, primetime, big moment, big game, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, why? Like, and so I, I had ha- I've had the, he loves him, loves him not because he has earned the moments where you love him. Not you got to earn the moments where you love him. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes was horribly inconsistent and losing big games in prime time, chiefs fans would feel the same way. Your love and admiration and respect for a quarterback grows from moments like what we saw last night. When you disappoint, when you throw an interception late, when you get sacked and the ball pops up in the air because you you held the ball for too long and there goes the game, that's what's going to cause people to, you know, when, when you're the guy who's the centerpiece of the team, when you're the focal point, when you're the highest paid guy, if you don't deliver, people are going to be upset. I understand so, that. I get what you're saying there. My, my, only, my, always, my defense to that always is a little bit, he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' team. And a lot of these like primetime games, if pe- people like, you know, they know, like to look at the stats, but if you look at a lot of the primetime games and we sat there and broke them down, you'd go, if you look at the two teams, they were the lesser team in the matchup, like almost always, almost always. So that's where it's a little like uh, the context matters to a degree. I understand your point. I know that. And there's certainly moments where, yeah, compared to the star quarterbacks in the game and all that, you want more from Kirk Cousins. I get that, too. But I do think, you know, there's another side that's a little unfair to him uh, at times just by looking at the numbers and just looking at the record. 
But, but Chris, look at what Mahomes has done without Tyreek Hill. And we talk about it all the time. The offense is sputtering. They, they finally didn't sputter because I think one of the things they've decided is if all we got is Kelsey, let's just use Kelsey. But last night, Cousins without Justin Jefferson, and there was a long stretch in the second half without Jordan Addison and Brandon Powell's making all these catches. And there was a, a great catch that K.J. Osborne almost made falling down when he hit the ground. The ball was dislodged on a key third down. I think it was right before that fourth and four play. Like, these other guys are stepping up. Definitely. And Kirk Cousins is finding them, and he's trusting them. And T.J. Hawkinson, 11 catches for 86 yards. I think that the Vikings right now in the passing game have a far better supporting cast for Kirk Cousins than the Chiefs have for Patrick Mahomes. I would agree with that. Yes. Justin Jefferson, it would be nice to have him back. But even without Jefferson... The guys I saw last night, yeah, we need to take a break. And we'll yeah. talk about Jordan Addison on the other side. Okay. But they got a superstar potentially in Jordan Addison. Let's talk about him and a couple of other thoughts I have and a couple of ideas I have on how to continue to peel the layers of the onion on what we saw last night, the upset of the 49ers, 22-17 by the Vikings. More about that game when PFT Live continues right after. You like that? You like that? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 